great to be in God's house today, isn't it? So good to be among God's people. I want to talk to you for a little while today on a, probably not a, a real light note, not at all actually. When we were on our Apostolics at Sea a couple of weeks ago, Brother Ballestero spoke to the men on an early, I think it was a Wednesday morning, and there were very few of us in there, but he he definitely hit a chord with me of something that I must confess I probably failed as a pastor and as a saint, so... I want to talk to you for just a little while this morning on the subject of assisted suicide. There are nine states, I did not know this until yesterday doing some research, there are nine states and the uh, District of Columbia that have made assisted suicide legal. Uh, they have, uh, to make it sound a little bit better, they've, they've changed the name of it. It's not called assisted suicide anymore. It's called death with dignity. Don't know how that helps a whole lot, but anyway, they make it sound better. Uh, many of you probably remember, now some of you younger ones won't, but those of us that are a little older would remember in 1998 when Dr. Kevorkian made assisted suicide hit the news uh, actually at that time it was called voluntary in euthanasia I knew I was going to have trouble with that word uh, uh, they, they tried him convicted him and he ended up going to prison he served eight years uh, before he was released on parole and he died in June on June 3rd 2011 at the age of 83 without the assistance of being able to die. Uh, I, I will confess that I'd never heard of this before, prior to this time uh, when he was put in the news, but while, as I already said, while we were on the cruise this a couple of weeks ago, Brother Ballestero mentioned this in, in dealing with the church, and, and I want to bring to you for just a little while a message on spiritual assisted suicide. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 3. We'll begin here, Matthew chapter 18, verse number 3. The scripture says, and this is Jesus speaking, and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child, in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to the man, to that man, by whom the offenses come, cometh. I want you to notice, if you will, looking at this scripture, uh, the Bible, and please, I want you to take note that it was not, it's not just somebody writing scripture, but this was words that Jesus spoke. It does not say that woe to the person that 
kills or mortally wounds a child. It says if you offend them. There's a big difference. Hello? There's a big, big difference. And, and I want you to also notice it doesn't say that that child is saved. It doesn't say that that child is full of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't say that child's been baptized in Jesus' name. It just says if they believe. I, 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 let me build a foundation here, and we'll go somewhere. Let, let me just say while that we're taking this to the level of spiritual assisted suicide, can I also, for the sake of this study today, let you know that we're not talking about little children today, but we're talking about people that are spiritual children. New in the church. New to the truth. New to what we believe. From the beginning of time, there's always been an issue for people wanting or lack, not wanting to take responsibility. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 9, the scripture says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And before I go any further, let me just explain to you, he knew exactly where he was because he left him there. But as we look at this scripture, I believe that even in Cain and Abel's time, it was something that was a challenge, was something that people did not want to take responsibility for someone else, and it's probably worse today. You know, in all reality, you can live next door to someone and not know who they are for 20 years. It's just the way life is. We don't think we're responsible for anyone other than ourselves. And if that's not going real well, we don't want to be responsible for that either. We think everyone else should be able to take care of themselves. Hello? And we should be able to say or do whatever we want. And no one say anything to us. No matter what we say or how we say it, people shouldn't get offended. In our world today, our thoughts are that people can never blame me for hurting their feelings. Can I say in a spiritual sense, a lot of times we, we in our mind we're thinking, well, I'm telling them the truth even if it does hurt. Hello? Tell you what you did. You helped them commit spiritual suicide. Let me ask a question this morning. Does every child learn to walk at the same age? On what day should every child be able to talk? Nobody knows. You know, there comes a point in time when they get to a certain age, we start expecting them to be able to talk. But in all reality, most of the time when they finally do learn how to talk, we wish they'd hush. 
Can I get a witness? How old will they be when they learn to ride a bike without training wheels? Who knows? If we'd have waited until Rebecca wanted us to take the training wheels off her bicycle, they never would have come off. She'd still be riding with training wheels, and she don't ride a bike. When should they know how to drive a stick shift? I made a comment, a, a statement, before my, or when my children were small that I have had to apologize for. Time and time again, I made the statement several years ago when my kids were little, I was never going to have a child that wasn't able to drive a stick shift. Brian, Brian learned how to drive. He, his first vehicle that he drove was a 89 Honda Civic that I had that had a stick shift. He done good. Let me just say, after fear of my life and running in the creek several different times, almost... I said, let's just take this car and park it. You ain't going to learn how to drive a stick shift. I thought she's going to tear the clutch out of the car, run us in the creek. She never did learn. I just found out last week there's some adults in here that don't know how to drive a stick shift. That's okay. You see, what I'm trying to tell you is there's no set time. When it's got to take place. Then I want to ask you on another note. If there's no set time when certain things have to happen physically for them to take place. Why do we set a time when people should learn how to be apostolic? Well they've been here a year. They ought to know how to do this. Or they've been here five years. They should know. Hello? But in, even in this room, there's a lot of differences. I don't judge you. Now, Brother Burton, I, I'm really glad you wore that suit coat this morning. I saw him. He, he's told me several weeks, months ago, that he, he wanted to know where I got my Western suits and and I, and I told him, I didn't know he'd bought him any, but he'd he come in this morning with one of them. You know, I, I don't judge you because you don't wear Western suits. But don't judge me because I do. We, we can find all kinds of things. I Honestly, I have been places where I wasn't welcome because I wear Western suits. It's too, it draws too much attention. Whatever. My wife doesn't look down on anyone here because you don't fix your hair like she does. Oh, and by the way, while I'm on that note, uh, she would change her hairdo if she could find one that would do. She's done it that many years, it just kind of goes that way. Even though the back of her head is raw from... The, the bobby pins and everything that goes in the same place all the time. Can't you see, all of us would love to change things about ourselves. I could, I could go around this room, the room this morning and everybody has something if we would 
if we would open up, and now I'm not talking about getting to the deepest, dark, deep and dark secrets, but everybody has something, some things you'd like to change. I'd like to lose about 50 pounds. I don't want to get sick to have to do it, and I don't want to die to go there. No. I've got plenty I could give him. Isn't that the truth? So my question to you is why then do we think that people should be like us? Is there anybody in here? And Brian, don't raise your hand. Is there anybody in here that's really perfect? Paul was very, very plain in how to deal with people that don't live up to our expectations. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, the scripture says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We find it a lot easier to condemn someone or look down on someone who makes a mistake. Someone who misses a few church services. Or someone who goes someplace that we don't go. But the word fault was what Paul used here. He didn't say that they had sinned. He didn't say that they'd committed an unpardonable sin. He said, if you see a brother in a fault. A fault could be considered a, a weakness or a mistake. A momentary lapse in judgment. And let me just say, if you can tell me today that you have never had any of these things happen to you, well, maybe... I'm teaching the wrong lesson today. And, and if you tell me you've never done any of this, I guess we probably ought to turn to Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, where it says that all liars <laughs> shall have their part in the lake of fire. We're not going there. You see, I want us to stop just a moment and really ask ourselves, have I ever said anything that might hurt someone? Come on. Let me say today, I really wish that I could go back over the last 30, well, over the last 40 years, knowing what I know now, without a doubt, I have hurt people preaching over the pulpit. Come across too harsh. You see, and we'll get on to it in a, little, in, a, in a few minutes a little bit more. We as the minister standing behind the pulpit are the one that has the, can do the most harm, the quickest. By the way, what we're saying is perceived. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that I ever stood in the pulpit and did not preach the word because I have every time. 
But I am telling you that the preached word and the way it is delivered and the spirit by which it's delivered will determine whether someone is helped or hurt. Same word. But preached from a heart of compassion does a lot more good than preached from a preacher with fire in his eyes. There's a vast difference in teaching with compassion and teaching with a rod of correction. Hello? The book says that the word is a two-edged sword. But how many of you have ever gone to have a surgery done that you didn't agree to before it started? You don't just walk into the doctor's office and, and walk into the, the surgery room and they say, well, you know what, I think I'm going to do this to you today. It's not going to happen. I can promise you. I wish Brother Gabriel was in here this morning, but a couple of weeks ago when, when the doctor told him they had to take out his appendix and they told Brother John and Sister Daphne they had to take out his appendix, they were all in agreement. Because he was hurting bad enough, he wanted it gone. And they didn't want to see their son suffering like that. Hello? You see, if, if they'd have told Gabriel, said, well, you know, your appendix is, is, is in bad shape. It may be about to rupture. But we think we, we, think we just, today we want to practice a little bit. We're going to do open heart surgery. He just said, no, no, wait a minute. I guarantee you, Brother John or Sister Daphne would have been jumping up and down real quick. No, you're not. You're not using my son as something to practice on. But there was something that he had need of. And he needed somebody to help him with his need. But there's a lot of things that go on in the church. People don't just walk in and say, it's okay, preacher. Cut out whatever you think I don't need. That'd be great if they did. But that's not the way it works. You see, the first thing that has to happen in order for anyone to change their life, and you hear me well, this is not spiritual, but it's fact. The first thing that has to happen for anyone to change their life is they got to be tired of their life like it is. It's not spiritual. I didn't get that as a divine revelation. That's just a fact. If they don't want to change, no matter how much I preach, no matter how much we pray over them, no matter how many times we wallow them at the altar, nothing's going to change. We can fast for them. We can pray for them. We can spend hours trying to get it to happen. But until they're tired of life like, life like it is, nothing's going to change. They have to want to change. 
We must understand that everything to do with everything to do with the church and living for God is voluntary. Hear me. I, you say, well, yeah, but we got the word. People make choice all the time whether they're going to live by the word or not. I dare say that every one of you had pick and chose what scriptures you wanted to use out of the word. Hello? Well, that one doesn't apply to me. That's in the Old Testament. Or that was back in Jesus' day. That don't apply to us. What I'm telling you is I can't make you do anything. You have to get it for yourself. I can show you what the scripture says. I can admonish you on what the scripture says. But until you decide you want to do it, nothing's going to change. So when we start forcing what we think, even if we have Bible to back it up, hear me this morning. When we start trying to force what we think, even if we have Bible to back it up, when we start forcing it on people and we stand, we stand a good chance to help them commit spiritual assisted suicide. Because if they didn't believe, they wouldn't be here. Jesus said, if you offend one of these little ones that believe, Brother, Brother Flynn, if they didn't believe, they wouldn't have got ready and came to church today or any other service for that matter. They believe. But we've got to be so careful. I dare say that many and probably everyone in this room today has helped someone by our words or our actions commit spiritual assisted suicide. In other words, we said something. We did something that hurt someone and they walked away and they're not here today. This has been very, very disturbing to me when I began to think about this because I don't want to be the reason that anybody's not at church. And please, please listen to me real, real well. I have heard people use the excuse, well, I just had to tell them the truth. But how did you tell them the truth? I know that ladies ought to wear certain clothes and men ought to wear certain things and we ought to do this and we ought not do that. But there's some things we don't need to bring to attention. Please stop and consider. Just because... You threw down, let me just go here just a minute if I can. Just because you were able to give up cigarettes the minute you, minute you were baptized, the minute you got in church, don't mean the next person's going to be able to. And that don't make you any better than they are if they're sitting on a church pew for 10 years and still can't give it up. Come on. I, I'm trying to get us to realize, I want to see this church grow. 
But let me just explain something to you. It does us absolutely no good for Brother Pearson to preach his heart out, for, for those of us to try and, and, and get people in the house of God, people that invite people, get them here if we're going to kill them before they get, get rooted in the Word. We can't help people commit spiritual suicide. And if they have been here and they're not here today because of something you said, you assisted in their spiritual suicide. You say, no, that was a choice they made. No, 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 no. It was not the choice they made. It was your choice for doing it. What I'm trying to tell you is all of us need a good dose of humbleness and wanting to be in the altar and God help me to, to, to guard my tongue and let me never say anything to hurt anyone and let me never say anything to be offensive and let me never say anything to judge anyone or condemn anyone because I've been a long time getting to where I am I didn't get here overnight. It took a long time. It took a lot of bumps and a lot of bruises and a lot of falling and a lot of getting back up and a lot of struggling, but we're still here. We need to stop judging and start loving people. Hear me. We need to stop judging and start loving people. If you love them, you wouldn't condemn them. Hello? If you're going to restore someone, as Paul said that we need to do, there's a good possibility you've got to get dirty to do it. There's a real good possibility you're going to go places you don't really want to go. Do things you don't really want to do. I want to know today, is there anybody here who wants to help somebody be restored in the Holy Ghost? Is there anybody here that really wants to help somebody make it to heaven? Or do we want to condemn them because they're not like us? Oh, saints, we got, we got to get a hold of this. We cannot be the reason that people, are, God help me. I, I, I beg God to help me this week to, to, to forgive me. If I've ever been the reason somebody walked out of the church and they say, I'll never go back to that church because of what Brother Bates said. What did I do? Oh, I preached the word. I did. I can stand with total confidence. I preach the word, but how did I preach the word? Hello? And you know me. You know I have never been harsh. I don't just stand up here and blast people. Never have, never will. But what I wanted you to realize today, saints, we need to realize, we need to understand that we have to not be the reason. We, we, I, I, I've been rolling over in my mind. We need to make it impossible. For people to find a reason not to be in church. We need to love them so much that they just can't find a reason not to be here. Hello? Not, not try and look down our, our nose because they, they don't dress just like we do or they don't walk just like we do or, or they don't sing just like we do or they don't smell just right. Hello? None of that, none of that matters. 
What really matters is that they're somewhere where God can touch them. If they're not here, how's God ever going to reach them? If we've already made it where they're not welcome here, because they can't live up to what we think they should, how are they ever going to get God? How are they ever going to learn more about God? I want to be willing. We've got to be willing to reach to where they are, no matter how bad they are. Not standing here to condemn them. Because every, to everyone that we condemn, as Jesus said in the book of Matthew, if you will, Brother Kay, put verse number 6 of chapter 18 back up there for me. I know it's a long ways up there. But, but whosoever shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he was drowned in the depths of the sea. I'd rather die than offend somebody that just believes. Jesus said you'd be better off if you were dead. Oh, that ought to help some of us back up a little bit. That was Jesus' words. You'd be better off to go out here and, and now it won't do much good to go down here to this little pond because it's not deep enough. Yeah, you'll just get stuck in the mud. You might drown in the mud, but you ain't going to get stuck. But it, it, literally, you'd be better off killing yourself. And, and please, listen to me. This is what I want us to make our, our prayer. God, I would rather die myself than destroy somebody that believes in you. That doesn't mean they're baptized. Hear me. That doesn't mean they got the Holy Ghost yet. That doesn't mean they look anything like an apostolic or Pentecostal. They just believe. When Jesus spoke these words, the Holy Ghost hadn't even yet been given. Jesus was still here. Oh, but too many times. And please, I have heard this and heard this and probably even said it myself. Well, they just don't want to live right. Hear this preacher real well. You're not the judge. Don't give them a reason to leave. Hear me. Because for everyone that walks out that door and doesn't come back, there's a good possibility that their blood will be on your hands as the one that helped them in assisted spiritual suicide. I don't know what that does to you, but that, that troubles me. It really does. I, I want to love you, everyone. Whether I like what you look like, whether I like what you smell like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to love you, everyone. Why? Because I'm not going to be the reason you miss heaven. I wish this church would be full today 
I firmly believe this. This church would be full today if we all took this mindset. I'm not going to be the reason you don't make it to heaven. I'm going to love you in spite of yourself. I'm going to love you if it takes you a long time to learn how to walk. I'm going to love you if it takes you a long, if I got to clean up your dirty diapers over and over and over again. If I got to wish you'd hush because you finally learned how to talk and you don't know how to shut up, I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to love you if you never learn how to drive a stick shift. Or ride a bicycle without training wheels. All of these, we can put spiritual application to all of these. You see, but there's a lot of people, and probably every one of you here today know somebody that will not darken the doors of a church because of being hurt in a church. I can't help what's happened in the past. I can't change what's happened in the past, but I can change what I do in the future. Hello? I can change how I respond to people, how I look at people, how I try and help people. Don't let us be guilty of assisting in someone committing spiritual suicide. Let's stand. <coughs> help us. God, help us to be able to restore that one that's fallen. That one that stumbled, that one that grew weak, that one that just doesn't see it quite like we do, help us to be able to restore them. Can we lift our hands and love him right now? God, help us today. Help us today to, to see your word and, and to realize, God, we need to be that light. Lord, we need to be that example, that, that love, that one with compassion to help those that are hurting. God, help us. Lord, never let us be offense, an offense, God, but let us love them and cherish them, and help them to be able to grow. Jesus, we trust in you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. We'll give you just a few minutes to shake hands.